Right, come on, Shannon, hurry up. Diddly dum dum. British Young Man Podcast. Is she sorted it, Shane? She's fucking. She's, uh, she's. You won't. I wanted some rice cooking while I'm doing this, and she's kicking off. Yeah, but I'm trying to multitask here. I'm trying to podcast while I'm getting my meal cooked. Has <laughs> she got kettle on? Right, anyway. Uh, anyway, Shane, let's go into it. Like, what I want to talk about today, I've seen you doing your, your axle on your story. Um, t- first of all, oh, tell, oh. Me, t- tell me how that's going. And um, I know we've covered it in depth, quite in depth before, but I... I'd just like to do like a bit of a kind of resource topic where we talk about five tips to think of to optimize the axle. What are you, what are you, what are the five things that you, well, we'll, go, we'll, we'll pick five things between us and we'll just bounce back off each other. But like, yeah, few, few things that you're thinking of that's important to you, like as an advanced lifter, getting back into it. What are you, what are you, um, what are you thinking of? And by the way, Shane wants to go for what one eighty at ninety eventually. Yeah, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. Good man. So for me, since I did my last, well, I, I basically have been one with the log for uh, probably two years. It's been a while, and because of that, I've built up this because uh, because mobility and positional. You know, acquiring a position is, it's all neurological, isn't it? So it's all like making, you, as long as your brain tells your body that things are safe, you can get in that position. And because I've built up so much stability around the log rack. Shane, what the fuck are you doing, by the way? Are you, are you skinning up? No, I've just found a bit of metal, so I'm, bend, I'm bending a random piece of metal. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, go on, keep going. So I built up a lot of stability in uh, that log rack. And I've always had a bad rack position anyway on a bar. But it's fucking well bad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've got... Flash actually sent me a lot of stretches that he likes as well uh, that I'm going to do on top of. Because I've just been doing me behind the next strict that I think I spoke about. Um, yeah. Strict Preston, like he But it's like not budging. So I'm going to do a bit of stretching first and then do that afterwards because uh, I think I need double whammy because at the moment the axle feels extremely strong like I strip pressed 130 the other day on it um, and it was pissed but because my rack position is so bad the dip is real shite like the the axle's forward so when I dip it feels like it's dragging me forward losing loads of power so for me what I'm doing is just trying to sort that rack position out and, and get my push press dip. Cause I don't think you don't, I don't believe that you need, I mean, it is good to have a perfect rack position, but to get the dip powerful and strong, it doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be kind of like pretty close. Whereas I'm like way off pace at the moment. So I'm just really focusing on that, to be honest with you. Um, other things that I do. No, so wait, wait, wait there. Let me just chip it. Let me just chip in on that. So number number one out of the five that we'll cover today. So improve the wrap position. Um, so I, I completely agree with Shane there. Um, but you can you can have you can have a shit wrap position and be extremely extremely good at uh, pressing and overhead and stuff. But generally, most people will benefit from improving the wrap position. And basically, what we mean by this is 
is actually getting the object, in this case, we're talking about the axle, to actually imagine you trying to make the object like part of part of your body instead of having this like kind of disconnect where you where you've got your torso and then you've got your arms which are the kind of the weak point in the chain really and then you've got this heavy object like balancing on your upper arm like if over time we can actually almost get the object resting on the delts and almost like become one with the torso like this is going to be um a lot better well a lot easier actually technically and skill wise to to um to basically uh, link the power transfer from the lower body into the object because it, yeah. it almost feels like part of uh, as one and also as well from it from like a kind of biomechanical standpoint the lower the object sorry the lower the thing is in the in the rack position Again, you de- we talk about this before, but you, you're like decreasing the like moment arm, and you're decreasing the length of uh, the distance from where's actually producing the force to the actual object. So if that's close really, to where you're producing force, makes such a difference. The thing that I'm quite good yeah. at is the fact that I'm well, not good at, but I mean a good example of is I have been in both situations which is why i which is why i know i need to fix it because when i'm doing my push press i'm like hang on a minute here like i know what it should feel like so when you look on video somebody messaged me about that so like well you're making it look like a toy mate it's it's class and i'm like well it kind of looks easy but i was like it's shit <laughs> like i i know that i'm losing so much power uh because i've been in that position before sometimes when you were uh, if you've got like a really bad rack position like what I've got at the moment, if I didn't know the difference it would make, it kind of does feel like, oh, I can't be asked fixing it. Like I'll just, you know, I'm strong. I'm pressing 130. I'll just stick with this. But because I know the difference, like, trust me, if you've got a shit rack, work on it. Because honestly, it does, it makes, uh, it's ridiculous. I'm not even talking like a couple of percent here. I'm talking like, you know, 10, 15, 20% difference to your overhead, which is like, if you're lifting 150, you know, that's 15, 20 key. So, you know, it's a big fucking, big difference, like. Yeah, that's it. Right. So let, let's move on to the, move on to the next thing. So I'll pick one. I'm going to say, assuming that you, that most people are going to maximise what they can lift via applying leg drive, I think, one of the most important factors, or one of the biggest errors that I see is is people just dip, dipping forwards and, and dipping, like basically hinging as they go to apply the leg drive. So I would say from a technical standpoint, regardless of, and this isn't like, say, like, like let's assume that somebody's going to push press, actually. most Like a lot of people listening to this, most people might, might actually push press. So even if you want to maximise your push press, you've got to, um, in my opinion, maximise your skill at learning how to dip and keeping a vertical torso. Uh, what do you think about that, Shay? Yeah, 100%. And this is the thing that I wanted to fix the rack for is because what I found is my rack's so bad that there's this whole like kinetic chain effect where my dip's shite. Because I know how to dip. I'm not, you know, I know how to do a dip. I can do a dip perfectly. Like if you put me in a back rack, it's perfect. But because my front rack's so bad at the minute, I can't even get the bar 
close to my throat, so it's slightly forward, so that as I'm dipping, it starts pulling me forward. And then, oh, it's just all over the shop, but there's so much power leakage there, all stemming from this rack position for me. So the rack position's cocking up the dip. I'm telling myself to stay vertical, and I'm telling myself not to go forward. I know where to put myself to do it, but if I stay there, the axle would like fall off. So naturally I'm like moving around. So that's something that I actually thought about this the other day is I'm like, oh, I can understand why I, I, I can understand why some people are dipping forward because I'm like, they're, if they're in this rack position and it feels like what well, this does now for me, I'm like, no wonder they're moving in weird positions because it's just not possible. So, so yeah, you do have to fix the, the dip needs to be vertical. You need to be, stable in it and confident in it um the dip something that needs to be mastered in strongman 100 because it's going to carry over to every overhead event uh, isn't it because although there are subtle changes between the axle the log the dumbbell the general kind of uh rules still apply don't they so you have to you have to understand that dip and, and and be aware of it yeah so way to get better at that dip again we've covered it before like I, i'm a massive fan of uh, of doing like jerk dips or basically just getting in your getting around or say 90 to 100 percent of like say you push press max for instance and then just get just practice just 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 di- just doing the dip and then standing back up and like i said before take your videos from the side and um, and just uh, just have a look. Is the is the center of the weight aligned over the midfoot all the way through the dip? Um, if it is, great. Practice it. Get better. Get stronger. Build weight. Um, if it's not, like look to fix that technically. Technically, because that will just unlock so so many so many gains um, on on the overhead. Um, right. So ne- next next one. So we've got the. Improve the rack, improve the dip. What's the, what's the next one, Shane? What for you? Uh, for me, it would be le- learning to learning to be as efficient as possible with the clean. Ah, that was what I was going to say next. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. A lot of people fail the axle press because, because they're so fucked. Yeah, they spend so much time cleaning it and, and so much wasted energy and um i'm a big fan of the just the belly clean personally i just really i don't i just found when, once i mastered the belly clean i was like this is well better than a belt clean and i couldn't i couldn't go back like so look i can't even now i've not done it for a while but when i first started cleaning the axles i just i just like the belly clean i think it's really nice but not saying that everybody should but you know, if, if it's within your rule set to do the belt clean, get efficient in the belt clean. Make it so that you, uh, you know, can. Well, realistically, you should be able to get wherever you're going to press or jerk or whatever. You want to be able to, you know, get that to your shoulders, and it feel like you've got a benefit. Because I actually find that if I do a good clean, it feels better than if I took it out of the rack or a jerk block, for example. Um, so you want it to feel. I want it to help me almost. I want it to be like, I know when I get this in my rack, I'm primed and ready and a- activated. Um, yeah, that, that's it. Because you, you get a good clean that, that, you, that you just bounce, bounce, 
up into the rack and you're almost, you're almost, you can feel, you can imagine it right now as I'm talking to you. you imagine that you can feel that potentiation effect yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where it feels like shit, that was perfect. And this, whatever, 120, 130, 140, it feels, you know, before you even start the dip that you've got it. Whereas, yeah. whereas sometimes you can walk at a similar weight from the rack, go to do that first rep and you think, fuck me, this is heavy. But you can, um, yeah, you can definitely feel that with the, with with an effective clean. But but yeah, you, you, <clears throat> simplest uh, a kind of simple protocol is just 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 fucking practice, like actually value the cleans and pra- practice them. Uh, you see so many people like doing the the bulk of the well, a lot of the overhead training from a rack, and then they'll get to a comp and the kind of a surprise that they're getting on. Oh, I just get gassed by the clean or whatever. And they can feel that they're inefficient with it. Well, well, actually just tri- like, like you'd maybe do your log session or your axle session and then do some extra push presses. Like if you feel like you get gassed really quickly or um, a high percentage clean, like really fucks you, like pr- tr- practice some, uh, practice some cleans after your session or on a different day or, before your deadlifts or whatever, and and just get the get them uh, get get them f- feeling better and more efficient. Yeah, I think on the axle, separating the clean is a real good uh, idea. Often, what I'll do is I'll put people uh, like if they do an axle and I want them to improve the clean, if they've got shit clean, I'll maybe put like an EMOM in uh, before they actually do their axle. So then they spend all this time warming up the clean. Because usually, let, let's say they're doing one clean, five press, you know, five, yeah. that's only five cleans throughout the workout. So if we then give them an EMOM clean first, they yeah. get, they accumulate 10, 15, 20 cleans, then they go into the one clean, five press. At least they've built that clean skill, first of all. Or another thing, if you do do like one clean, five press or whatever, change it round to doing a, uh, two cleans, five press, you know, or, or whatever. Just adding some extra clean work in uh, instead of being surprised that when you get to top end weights, you're like, oh, it's really hard to clean, you know, struggling. If it's because you're used to doing one clean, five press, uh, that's probably why. So it's a good idea to do that. Also, re- re- repetitive singles, like one single every 90 seconds or something at uh, 80% get you used to doing it floor to overhead, but you're not having that fatigue build up as much because if you're going to set a six floor to overhead, um, obviously you're going to get gassed. The weight ends up being quite low. And if you're trying to train maximal weights for a max axle or something, you can switch train up like that so that you're exposing yourself to heavy singles with timed rest and getting heavy density in there and stuff. So there's loads of different ways to play with the clean, but definitely just making sure that you're not, spending all your time focusing on the press because at the end of the day the axle press overhead is something that most strong men are going to get kind of good at because it's usually makes up you know a, a decent chunky training does a push press you know what i mean it's a fundamental kind of or a push press or power jerk whatever you use to get it overhead you know you'll tend to do that on your log on your dumbbell on a barbell for assistance work so you know you you're going to be getting so much volume in on that press anyway. And yeah, I know the axle's slightly different to a bar, but it ain't that different. You know what I mean? It's still a 
still the same things apply. But then when it comes to the axle clean, that's pretty unique to the axle clean. So you need to respect that and make sure you put your working on that. Because if over six month period, you're like, oh, I've been doing axle every week, but you've been doing like three cleans a week. Then over six months, you've done, you know, you've still, you've still done fuck all cleans really, but you might have accumulated thousands of presses. So yeah, it's, it's always worth separating that, especially if you find that to be a weak link. You just spend more time on it and, and put, put some work in. Yeah. So uh, a nice little simple protocol that you can um, that people can give a try, like as like a secondary thing. You might want to put it on like a try it on an event day or something, like as a little four weeker. You could, you know, put something like say use it as a warm up. Put like five or ten minutes on the clock or whatever, and go for two cleans, one press, and see what you can like build up to to a to a single. Then the next week. See if you can do the same weight, same weight for three cleans, one press. Week after, four cleans, one press. Then the week after, do five cleans, one press, and see if you can. And mo- most of us will be able to match what we did on the first week um, in terms of numbers, which will just show you because you'll be chasing the number in your head. Um, but you'll you'll just have, have made it a lot more efficient as you go along. Another good thing about training the cleans in isolation, you'll realise that loads of your other exercises, like you can use the same kind of principles if, um, you know, like say, for instance, if you're doing like say tyre flips and uh, picking up some, picking up sandbags, picking up Husafel stones, like it, it's all like a clean variation that, if you're going to get, if you're going to get, A, you're going to get stronger and you don't want to think about how you're getting stronger, you're just getting stronger at it and lifting heavier weights, then it's just going to transfer like that. But if you're actually thinking about the kind of technical kind of principles behind it, i.e. if you get better at using your lower body and actually like extending and popping, popping the object up, that's going to be, and an a kind of away from the kind of, upper body style cleans that you see a lot of people doing where um, if you can kind of get your head around this with like, say an axle clean variation and whatnot, like I say, the transfer is going to be great, not only in, in terms of strength, but also the, the skill as well. Um, right. Number four then. So we've had uh, number four. I'd, I'd say, um, for, for most of us, at least give like, give a jerk a whirl. Like I see so many people um, with the, having to go with the axle, doing like a technical, what, what they might th- think is like a technically poor jerk variation. It might be a dodgy power jerk where they're p- pressing out. It might be a split jerk where they're fumbling all over the place. But it's so common for people to do a poorly executed jerk still a little bit higher than their push press max. Um, Because with the axle compared to like, say a log for instance, or a dumbbell, it's a hell of a lot more forgiving to learn. Um, And you might, and a lot of people might actually find the, the axle more comfy in the rack position than trying to learn on a barbell. Um, So if you do an axle and you've got a, good bit of a training phase where, where you where you can put a bit of time into it. Um, so, so for, am I right in thinking there's quite a few um, 
Is it the England's qualifier got a Max Axel in, Shane? Am I imagining yeah. that, or is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so say for instance, say, say um, people do, doing like in, England's qualifier that's uh, Max Axel or whatever. Like, you've got if assuming that it's your off season now. Like, I've actually got a good bit of a good bit of a training phase here where where you've got where you can actually just do whatever you're say go for a new rule session where you're kind of aiming to get better at whatever your com- most confident axle variation is right now you might be sticking with like a secondary session as like a pressing upper body assistance kind of thing but like where you're doing it when when you do like say your events and stuff like that where you might not need to be doing quite as like yeah you you've got the opportunity now to to throw in some fucking like give some give some jerk variation to go have a go at a mongy split jerk or whatever and like a lot of people couple of sessions will get will get up to a high percentage of the push press max not really understand how they're doing it but not necessarily feel great doing it but oh my god like it feel feels quite easy do you know what i mean um I split jerk the axle, so yeah, that that's it. You split jerk the axle, don't you? And like you're not like, yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, give, give that give that a bit of a go, guys. Especially good. We know we were saying last week about um, about stuff to work on during the off season. Like I'm sure people are working hard on the strength stuff and stuff. Like this could be one of the this could be one of the skill things that you give give a whirl. Um, right, fifth thing. So I'm gonna. I want you to answer this, Shane, and I want to sit and. I just want you to answer from a kind of a strength production standpoint, like what kind of assistance exercises. Forget skill. We've talked about skill, skill of the dip, and clean, and uh, giving their uh, jerk variations a go. Like actually getting getting stronger, producing more force. At things that are going to be specific to the axle. Yeah. Um, I would say, it's mm, a good one. Well, a couple of go tos to be honest with you, but I would say if I was like, say, I was training someone, and we'd kind of we were peaking their axle, so we were driving it for eight weeks, or whatever, up to a one rep max attempt. Whether they were jerking it, pressing it or whatever, I would give them a pressing assistance alongside it. And I am a big fan of things that are healthy on the shoulder joint, easy to set up, and allow you to handle a lot of weight. And something I like at the moment that I've got a lot of peeps doing is just a slingshot bench press, Um, just because you can put in all your work and your volume on your push presses or whatever your jerks on your actual axle, so instead of going and doing another overhead variation uh, for an assistance, I would use a horizontal base pressing movement or even an incline or something, but, but, but I'd use a flat for this example. And I'd just do a slingshot. <clears throat> and the reason being is because you're overloading that lockout. But the thing that I find it great for is just handling heavy weights and exposing yourself, wrists, elbows, everything to weights that are, you know, heavier than what you can lift uh, raw because of the slingshots helping you. And you get that overload effect on the triceps at lockout. And even if you've got a good split jerk, 
you're going to cock one up now and again and need to kind of press it out. Um, or, or at least if you do misgroove it, it's good to have the ability to press it out instead of, you know, getting... Well, you miss basically If you don't press it out, you miss the lift, don't you? So did you see to- one that I did last week, Shane? Because I haven't been doing any fucking slingshot or triceps or like that. Do you see you that Axel went for... I think it was 115. I went to push press it and I thought... Oh, I'm gonna fucking grind this out, and then when went to grind it out, it just came down straight away and smashed me on head. Yeah, I was laughing. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a simple slingshot bench press phase. Because the reason why I like that is the the bench press can end up making your rack position worse because it gives you a lot of restriction around that. You know, trying to get external rotation and stuff in, in, into the rack position, but a slingshot takes away any of the real negatives you could get from it. And it only really gives you positives. It just helps you handle a little bit more volume through the press. You probably feel good afterwards. Um, you're not going to be like, oh, my shoulders are all jacked up. You know what I mean? It usually feels quite nice. And it just allows you to get some extra volume through the press um, and handle, like I say, that heavy, heavy weight. Uh, so I would probably say to add in something like that. But having said that, I also like axle floor presses are a good one. And if you wanted to stay more specific to the axle, you know, you could do axle floor presses. Um, close grip axle floor axle floor press is real good. Um, incline bench with like a shoulder saver or something. With my pressing assistance, I usually just pick one that I've not done for a while. And then yeah. just that. And then the next time I do another one, I'll pick another one. Uh, so that's kind of how I do it. Cool. So yeah, so yeah what, what, what I like about the, the idea of that is... What what you opened up my eyes to like a few episodes ago, and you said about like just just basically pick something that you like. I, I, I've put I've put this in a few people's programs recently, and um, and like everybody says the same thing. Oh, I'm fucking I'm shit. At, I'm really shit at this. Give them like high incline press, or like give them a pin press, or and they they feel like they shit at it, and. But I'm, just, but I'm like saying to them that it, this is good because you're just going to you do, do like a four to six week linear block as like an assistance thing. And it's just going to be simple, pro, like very easy progression, isn't it? Like that's what I find. Like people get better a lot quick, like very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, like I always say, you can't really program it wrong <laughs> because as long as they're doing it, they're going to get better every week. And then yeah. uh, you get some carryover to your main lift and you're like, oh, that's that was great, you know, and, and then you can recycle something else. And then eventually you'll run out of things to recycle and you'll go back to that one you did first, but it might be like, you know, six months, seven months later. Yeah. And then data then as to what you've done on it. And then you beat all that and then you go again. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, so just ro- rotating the exercises. But yeah, I, th- I think like off the top of my head, like the sl- slingshot one, that you said, like obviously play with different different inclines on the bench. Just basically go, doing like a, doing like a high incline at I don't know what eighty degrees for four weeks, then going down to sixty, going down to forty. Like yeah. you just you're just gonna it's just gonna be so easy to kind of like say you for for instance you're doing this at the end of like say a, a big overhead session. It's just gonna be so easy to get that get that progression each week and feel like you're you're improving without, yeah. without having that kind of like 
without feeling like fried in your in your body because you're almost having like a lay down aren't you and yeah you're still getting a getting a good good effect from it and i always like load as my guide so if i'm if i'm peaking like say i'm peaking a strip log and i'm going to be using a low volume so i'm just going to be doing really heavy strip log a couple of sets and then i'm done I'll, i'll make my assistants match that so I might use a slingshot bench because that's the thing that I'm going to hold the most load with. Yeah. So I'll do even more heavy slingshot work afterwards. But then if I'm in like a a phase of volume on the log or whatever, I might pick a assistance that's a little harder for me to get full range, uh, full uh, lots of load. Sorry. So I might pick something like a uh, uh, e-cent- controlling the eccentric close grip floor press. And then the load comes right down and I can kind of match the load with my log and put some more volume in. And then as my log gets heavier, I might transition that to a two board bench press or something. And then, then the log gets even heavier to the peak stage or first thing. So I kind of like, as my main lift that I'm trying to use the accessory for, as that gets heavier, I try and use variations that allow me to just literally hold more weight. So that, that's how I do it. And then my, my lowest uh, load, assistance i like the jm press so uh i don't know if you know that's kind of like a blend between a close grip bench and a skull kind of thing. yeah so that that's the i like i really like that so what i'll do is if i'm oh, well, take, well, all right so, so basically what what you're doing is you are you, are you pressing up <laughs> and then so you get into overload the eccentric muscle because you're doing like a tri eccentric tricep extension is that right or yeah, you you can, so it's not ah, quite right. Not quite a close grip bench, not quite a slow crusher. It's like kind of in between. So you can still go, yeah. still go much heavy. You can't go as heavy as a close grip bench, but it's not as light as a slow crusher. So it's kind of in between. I, mean, I use about 80 kilos, 90 kilos, something like that. So uh, that's my fit, the lightest one. So if I'm in a really light phase, my assistance will be jam pressed. But then as it gets a little heavier, I'll then transition out of that to something a bit more. Until you usually, to be honest, usually I've either got an inclined two board bench or a slingshot when I peak my log. Always, I, I, one of them two. Last time when I did one seven five, I used the forty five degree incline, uh, but it's either that or a slingshot because I find that they're the things I can hold the most weight on and get that kind of top end uh, stimulus. Like a JM press, I wouldn't want to be doing heavy threes with a JM press because my elbows would you know fall off. But if I wanted to do like loads of sets of ten. I'd use that. That's kind of how I, I use it, uh, to be honest. But again, assistance-wise, what you said is the best thing. If you find, if, if I find some shit at, I'll hammer it for a bit because that to me is... Uh, like I always think if you want to be a good presser, you should be able to be strong at anything to do with pressing. You know what I mean? Like Even tricep pushdowns, I expect to like be able to do tricep pushdowns heavier than a random bodybuilder in the gym. You know what I mean? Um, because if they if they if they can come in and they've got stronger triceps in isolation than me, I'm like, well, this ain't right, because they're they're a bodybuilder, I'm a strength athlete. I should be able to, you know, my triceps technically should be stronger than theirs. Uh, so so everything I do, I always find something if I'm shit at it, I'm like, right, I'm gonna do this as my assistance until I can lift a respectable amount of weight on it. And then once I get to that point, I'll end up finding something else that I'm like, oh, I'm really shit at this, and I'll, I'll do that for a bit. Nice one. So just to add to that in terms of assistance, like going back, 
going back to the axle, like um, <clears throat> uh, obviously Shane's covered some uh, awesome upper body assistant stuff there. I'd, I'd, I'd be a massive fan of adding in a adding in like a front squat variation or a front loaded squat variation um, or even even like a, um, a Zercher squat variation would be good. Can I actually find that if you do like a Zercher squat variation, it, 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 you can get it feeling like the position um, that will help you with the clean, um, whether you do a belly clean or continental clean or... Um, or belt clean, you can actually match that position and get used to kind of feeling the weight in your legs rather than because uh, a big big error that I see with a lot of like people doing strongman and axle is both on the clean and the press, they're putting too much weight through the heels and they're rocking back on the heels. So basically, they've got nowhere to go with as they extend up. They've they've got to kind of extend the back and rather than extending through like the the kind of midfoot and through the like basically not getting much um a lot of people struggle with the kind of using the anterior chain and the front of the legs to explode up um so i, I just think like front loaded front loaded variation if you try to zercher and just got used to um, when that weight is in that position where it's going to be on the clean, actually squatting down and, and building confidence, keeping the weight through the middle of your foot or towards the front. Um, so then when you go to extend up, you can get used to extending onto your toes, blah, 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 blah. blah. Because if you think about it, <clears throat> if someone's, someone's there really leaning back and they've got all the weight through the heels, you can't extend up onto your toes because you'll just fall backwards. So you... Yeah. You're missing out on that. Um, so same with the um, same with the the front squat. Rather than thinking of build like lifting lifting massively heavier weight, doing around that kind of whatever your max overhead is roughly roughly, and executing that really really well instead of going much above what your max overhead is and like ending up hinging, hinging the front squat. Not using them since they're weightlifted, but even uh, heavy jerk dips are. Uh... Yeah, def definitely, mate. Definitely. Yeah. But you see, you see, this is the thing that I used to go wrong with the front squats was I used to just think, oh well, if I get logically, if I lift heavier weights on my front squat, it's going to transfer better. Whereas actually, what I did when I first started pushing front squats was. I got my max up, but it didn't really transfer to my overhead that well because what I was doing, I was just kind of round, like round back in it and cat back in it, which yeah. isn't the position that's going to transfer well to the overhead. So when I dropped it back and and executed more submaximal weights, but with a upright torso better, found the transfer was a, a lot better and actually could feel, oh, fuck me. I'm feeling the weight through my legs now, like I should be on the dip of the push press or the jerk. And another thing as well, by doing that, in terms of resilience, like probably when we started this, uh, when we started this podcast, like I used to just complain about like chronic knee pain and just, you know, I've always suffered with knee pain and stuff. But since improving front squats and, and actually, um, Make, making my quads do some work like the 
Like I, I can hammer like loads of overhead volume now and my knees just feel feel great. So doing that do, doing that from a resilience standpoint as well as a performance standpoint is uh, is definitely beneficial. So little recap, five, five, five things that we've covered today. Uh, what was the first one? Improve your rack position. Number two, improve your dip skill and mechanics. Number three, improve clean efficiency. I've given you a couple of protocols you can do there. Number four, especially with it being off season, give give some jerk variations a go. Um, yeah, I've got some videos on IGTV that have, from ages ago that have like broken down from a strongman standpoint um you could basically my, my philosophy is you can get a massive benefit from doing jerks and jerk variations without having to try and be a weightlifter like yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect to get to get the benefit that we're that us guys are going for at the end of the day we just want to fucking get more weight overhead don't we so um we don't have the time in our training programs to to make it absolutely beautiful, but we can all get a benefit from uh, giving some of these goals, giving some of these things a whirl. Um, and then the final thing, we've given you some uh, assistance, some good upper body assistance, some good lower body assistance, and hopefully explain why it's going to be beneficial to your axle pressing. So um, if you found this beneficial, make sure you tag us on uh, Instagram and uh, tag us on your videos. Um, diddle a dum dum. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs>